0: All oh, of me, hante your boy Sky John here today with the great <laughs> Ian. Ian, please tell them who you are or what it is that you do. Uh, I'm I'm Ian. I'm the great Ian now,
1: and uh, I help people have amazing sex lives with smoking hot intimacy, deep connection, and total sexual satisfaction.
0: Okay, hold on. How, how do I how do I get sexual satisfaction? Because mm. because it sounds good. But let me. What is, settled, <laughs> what is sexual satisfaction?
1: Well, it's different for everybody, right? It's not the same. It's not a cookie cutter approach. So the magazines at the checkout counter that say, you know, five steps to giving her the ultimate orgasm tonight are probably going to misguide and mislead you. The first step is the journey of self-exploration and finding out what it is that you deeply desire, what turns you on, what turns you off. And then getting the confidence and willingness to express that and setting a bar for your lovers for like, hey, this is this is what it, what turns me on. And if you would like to play that and meet me here, I'll meet uh, you where where it turns you on.
0: Okay. Okay. That sounds good, right? But I mean, what turns me on? I'm exactly sure of that. Here's why I say that. Because it's different things and different situations. It's never cool. consistent, number nice. one. Number two, I could be a gay guy growing up in a very conservative family. Therefore, I have to hide that part. So I mean, like, how many of us actually get the person? like actually end up with the person that you have the best sex with. I don't think so because usually the best sex comes with some wild shit, okay? (laughs) Uh, Usually the person who have the most fucked up life, who's most disorganized, that's usually the best (laughs) sex. And you know like, oh my God, this is fun, but I cannot be with this person for the rest of my life.
1: Yeah. Well, you just opened up Pandora's box, man. You just like, <laughs> like you opened like 10 topics in about one paragraph. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, okay. Okay. Well, let's, let's tackle these. you begin yeah. where you, where's the best place? To
1: start no, it's awesome. This. You just, you like, you set the, you set the container for the conversation. You're setting a high bar here. Um, one of the things you're taught, t- t- so you mentioned something shame, like that's a big thing that keeps people from knowing what they want. Right. Uh, yep. Yeah. Sometimes when you're with a different partner, different pieces come out. You're like, Oh, this, I'm totally turned on by this with this person, but with this other person, that doesn't work at all. But this thing, whoa, that really lights me up. Right. So the it, there's the sexual compatibility myth where uh, where people think like, oh, I'm just not sexually compatible with that person. And then you started with some other thing. <laughs> so And there were, there were a couple other topics that you threw in there. But one of the biggest bu- myths we like to bust is this whole sexual, incompatib- sexual in- incompatibility. Sexual incompatibility, right? Uh-huh. The mismatch gap that largely comes from the fact that we just don't have the full vocabulary of what's erotically possible. So when I hook up with that person, uh, and Oh, it was, it was the gender thing. You were talking about gender and sexual uh-huh. preference. So being a gay guy growing up in a conservative family. So the way that we look at it is not, is kind of like a genderless approach because we find in our research that, that it doesn't really matter if you've got um, am I? Can I be yes, like, yes, fully expressed?
0: Yes, please. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. doesn't matter whether you've got a vulva or a cock. Basically, if you have a really well-developed sexual vocabulary, you can always find a place where you and another lover can meet and play and have a really, really good time. But here's one of the biggest problems, and the biggest problems is that we do not have a culture that talks openly about sex.
0: Uh-huh. If
1: you had a sex education at all, it probably sucked. And they probably even gave you misinformation because I think it's 40, I don't remember the numbers, but it's, it's a majority of states in the United States that don't even have to have sexually, uh, anatomically correct sex education. They can just make the shit up. So if you had any sex education, it certainly didn't have anything to do with pleasure, and it was probably wrong on uh-huh. many, many fronts. So that's, the, that's one of the biggest challenges. Nobody, well, very few people have a articulated well-developed idea of what's possible sexually and then there's the question of, where the hell do you go to get that information uh-huh. you know, a lot of people go to pornography not the best educator you can pick a few things up there but it's not going to help you too much
0: yeah
1: and then uh you also have the challenge of a lot of the communities around sexuality are targeted towards very specific things mm-hmm. so you'll have a kink community but they don't know much necessarily about tantric sex. You'll have the swinger community, and they don't know much about kink sex. Okay, hold so, on, hold on,
0: hold on, hold on. So, what what is kink sex? Well, kinky. So the kinky. Okay, yeah, like because yeah. when I say a person's kinky, that means oh, this dude into some weird shit. Okay, is that <laughs> is that? Am I getting this right?
1: <laughs> well, okay. So this is how how we define kinky. Kinky is whatever is taboo for you. So. For in the stereotype of how it's portrayed in culture, usually kinky means whips and chains and dungeons and Uh slave play and all sorts of really intense stuff. And kinky does include all of that amazingly fun uh, arena to play in. Uh But take a look at a couple that's maybe been living in the Midwest. This is an example of some clients that uh, my partner Jaya had Uh where they're, for 20 years, they're going to the same restaurant every Tuesday night. Every Thursday uh-huh. night is their night for intimacy, where they have sex and they do it in missionary style. Hold on, Thursday night? Thursday like you night. have it
0: scheduled.
1: It's scheduled. Scheduled. Right? I
0: mean, that boy. Hey, in a relationship, that could. I mean, scheduling some might. Anyway, go ahead. Let me know. We can, what can talk about
1: it. we can <laughs> talk about scheduling and how powerful <laughs> uh, that can be later. But uh, so this couple, they, because they have a conservative background, and that was how it went for them. So once they started coaching around their sexuality and they started opening up to having sex doggy style. That was crazy taboo for them. So that was kinky sex for them. So kinky doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean like all over the place, wild and dungeons. So, this, and the, so the guy had never done this before? Neither of them. They, 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 <laughs> they, were the on, they were the only lovers, like teenage, young 20s. They got together and that's all they knew. So once they started to play a little bit, that's, that's, that was crazy wild for them.
0: Okay, that's kinky. So, what what is what is tantric? Tantra sex, tantric sex. Yeah. Well, these are ancient. Uh, there's there's like the Kama uh, Sutra books that, that we see.
1: Uh, Kama Sutra, yes. So it's ancient sexuality techniques. Tantra. There's many definitions I've read for the word mm-hmm. tantra. One of them is is yes. Uh, so it's this thing of saying yes to the pleasure that's available. Yes to um, spiritual connection through sexuality Yes to uh, Spiritual union with a partner So tantric sex Is like there's white tantra Pink tantra, red tantra uh, So there's a, there's a big range Of what tantric sex Means But it, it, it tends to in, in our framework It tends to fall under the Sexuality type that we call Energetic mm-hmm. Right? So energetics tend to have a idea that that uh, sexuality is a spiritual experience, that is it's about okay. communion, communion with your partner, communion with a higher self, and uh, also enjoyment of the body, enjoyment of pleasure. S- but the energetic is a really interesting blueprint type. We'll talk about the erotic blueprints as I'm mm. sure we're, we're, we'll get through mm. this, but um the energetic type, which is one of the erotic blueprint types, they are turned on by space, anticipation, tease. They all, they're often into the what's more to sex, like that spiritual connection.
0: The, these yeah. are energetics you're talking about right
1: Energetic now. types. And they would typically be attracted to Tantra because Tantra has a lot to do with uh, shared energy and the idea of, of uh, sexual energy mm-hmm. being a, um, our creative energy and being connected to spirituality and creation. So the energetic ties that in typically with their idea of what it is to be sexually connected with somebody and to find orgasmic
0: sexual pleasure with a partner or themselves. Okay, so, so we have kinky, energetic, what would be another one? How another, many are there? How many are there? So we've got five blueprint types. Okay, so we have, we have covered two, what's give, give the other three? We, we, got, we, got, we got a
1: couple there. Kinky has two okay. things that okay. uh, it breaks down to. Um, there's the psychological kinky and psychological kinky is going to be attracted to uh, power play like dominance and submission slaves this
0: this would be the boss man who come in and then want a woman to stomp on the nuts and stuff like that
1: no that's that's that that's kind of a crossover then we get into um, sensation-based or physiological kink which is the part where a dominatrix Stops on someone's balls or ties up their, you know, does cock and ball torture or does really intense scratching, spanking, bondage, um, <laughs> you know, hook or blood play. So you can, can, can get really very, very intense in the physiological uh, sensation based kink. And you can be both psychological and uh, sensation based. So, um, and I'm, my primary blueprint is kinky. So, uh, you know, and I'm I I kind of go between both of those, the psychological and the sensation based. Okay. Um, so then there's the energetic. We talked about space, anticipation, tease that, uh, and and this is literally like superpowers for an energetic is they could get they could have an orgasm with you standing 20 feet across the room. It's, You've done this? Oh yeah. Like I, it was not my I didn't I first when I first saw this stuff, my partner Jaya has hit well now 25 years but uh when i met her 12 years of background in tantra energetic sex she would do certain things with orgasmic energy and have experiences in her body and when i saw her do this or i saw her demoing it in workshops that that she was doing i was like that's bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, it was very woo woo i was like what is that i don't get it so it took me a long time to start to really Um, integrate what the hell is going on.
0: And now I have a lot of access to energetic sexuality. Okay. So with this energetic, when you say you could get someone to orgasm across the room. Yeah. You talking females orgasming or you talking males? Male. And we've got to distinguish between orgasm
1: and ejaculation. Okay. So orgasm is the buildup of energy and a release of that energy, but it doesn't necessarily occur as a genital orgasm or ejaculation.
0: Oh, okay, because if so, you're doing that, I want to see that. Okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, it, it, it could be that. That's a little harder to pull off, I think, for many. Uh-huh, but, uh-huh. yes, it's, it's, it's having full-blown, mm. full-bodied, energetic orgasms. And, you know, there's often there's, like, uh, twitching or, like, responses in the body. Uh huh. Um, okay, so another one of the five blueprint types is the central blueprint type. They are the folks that bring the artistry to sexuality. They love textures and beautiful colors and incredible flavors and sensations. They love um, incredible smells like essential oils, and they're the ones who who and they also love deep, penetrating touch. So, like the energetic, be like, can really feel this connection. And if you go and you collapse that energy too quickly, like you come from out here and you go in and touch and grab or go for the genitals that can make an energetic just shut down immediately. But a sensual loves to just get in your business, like get close, get tight, feel that skin. And they, the some of their superpowers are one, the beauty and creating all of that sensuality in the, in the sexual experience. And another one is the ability to just have full bodied orgasms when they're relaxed, when they're dropped in, it's like, Sensuals are the type of people who they eat a strawberry and they're like, mmm, they moan. They wear <laughs> layers of clothing. They got like a furry layer. They got like a scratchy layer. They got some funky hat with the fur and a feather and something like that in it because there's always something to touch, always something to enjoy with their senses. Okay,
0: there's stuff to look for. The guy with the furry hat. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> what, would, what would be another one? Uh, then we've got uh,
1: the... What did I do? Sexual, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> so the sexuals are the ones who just love genitals. They love nudity. They love... or they. If everybody has an orgasm they or an ejaculation, that's a success. They're like, woo! Celebrate! That was, that was successful sex. So the superpowers for sexuals are they just bring the fun to sex. It's like, hey, this is what it's all about. This is what we're going for. We're going to have an orgasm. And like a sensual needs to be relaxed in order to open to their sexual energy. A sexual really needs to have sex to feel relaxed.
0: So a sexual would be more the type of person who's open to kind of sleep with anyone.
1: Maybe. They all have the ability to be very open in terms of okay. polyamory or open relationship. You can find these types across the across the board from monogamous people to poly to swingers
0: to... The, the, they span the whole range okay so we have kinky we have we have energetic sensual sexual is there any more sexual there is one more and that is the shapeshifter oh shit okay this sounds star star trek i remember okay go ahead
1: <laughs> so shapeshifter is the type that just uh, loves it all they love energetic they love sensual they love kinky they love sexual they just want it. They love it all, and they want it all, and they want more, 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 more of all of it. <laughs> they have a voracious appetite. Their superpowers are that they, are, they can be, if they are skilled in all of this that, they've, that they mm-hmm. love, they can be the best lovers because they can shapeshift to please any partner that they're with. You're essential. They just dive in. They, they feed you completely on the central front. You're kinky. Let's play mm-hmm. there. And then the shadow side for kinky for shapeshifters is um, often they are thought to be too big. They're too much. You're too loud. You want too much. You're you're too complicated. You're too demanding. And another aspect for them is that they will often live starving in a in a relationship because they mm-hmm. have such a broad range and so much desire and so much libido that. They they'll end up with a partner who's one or two of the blueprints, and this whole other part of their sexuality never gets
0: fed. Okay, but how do I get my partner together, and we work this out to find out what we are, so we truly have great sex?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. that's the whole thing about learning the language of eroticism. So uh, there's not, uh, so that's where the erotic blueprints come in. That's where our erotic blueprint quiz comes in, because you got to start with information right you don't learn to build a house by just grabbing some wood and knocking some nails together you got to start to figure out how to lay a foundation put the structure together put the drywall on and all of those things have very specific skill sets so each of the blueprint types has very specific turn-ons they have a way that they love being spoken to Mm -hmm. they love they have different ways that they're going to get turned on and completely turned off and shut down so, it's about starting to learn a very precise language for arousal, turn-on, um, orgasmic uh, ecstasy, and how to bring any of these blueprints to climax. So, getting skilled is, is the way, well, getting a language first. So, for example, we have our Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough Quiz, which is an opportunity where in like five or ten minutes, you take this quiz mm-hmm. and we kick you back a result that tells you your primary blueprint type and then it tells all your other blueprints in a percentage right mm-hmm. so you, know, you could be like 37% uh, kinky 29% energetic then sensual lower than that and shapeshifter and then i forget which one i'm leaving out sexual probably mm-hmm. <laughs> sexual is low in my blueprint mm-hmm. list so i i tend to like forget about it um but uh, so then there, that's the beginning point. So like, oh, wow, I rated really high in kinky. And I don't know much about, I'm, uh, obviously I must be turned on by it, but I don't know much about it. It's a mysterious world. Maybe, maybe like the shadow side for kinkies are, is shame you know, like, oh, it's weird. Like you said at the beginning, the people who are into the really crazy shit, yeah. like that weird taboo stuff, right? So there's the stereotype of what that means. And a lot of kinky folks will, and this was me in my early years, like, wait, why am I turned on by that? I, that's really strange. And is it going to be okay if I tell anybody that I'm turned on by that? So it's it's starting to accept who we are as a mm-hmm. sexual being, like what is your primary type? And then starting to learn how to, discover those things in your own body through self-play as well as is experimenting with a lover of like, Hey, I learned this new thing about myself and I want to play with it, experiment with it and find out more. And so, cause I, we, you know, most of us I think want to have an amazing sex life. Mm-hmm. So it's really about the willingness to learn and dive in and explore so you can expand in all this stuff and really, uh, find a, a, amazing ways
0: to play with yourself and play with others. What's the weirdest thing that's ever turned you on? <laughs> <laughs> is going right for the jugular. Um well,
1: I love uh I'm I I'm a I'm what you call a switch in the kinky land, meaning I can play the dominant role or I can play the submissive role. Uh-huh. So I would say in the submissive role, one of the things that has turned me on the most was intense constriction. I had a session with a pro dom in New York city. She, I walked into her place and she had about a quarter million dollars worth of, uh, heavy hardcore BDSM gear in this place. And, uh, somewhere along the session, I was strapped to a, like a high chair Mm -hmm. with 37 leather straps She had a hood. I was like, because this was a gift that my lover gave me because she she couldn't take me to my edges. So she sent me to this woman who who she knew would be able to take me there. So I had like 37 leather straps. I had my feet all corseted up and tied. I had a hood on my head, a blindfold thing on. She had this gag in my mouth. All I had was two little nose holes to breathe through. And she's doing all this stuff to stimulate me and get me even more aroused. And I've got claustrophobia to begin with. So I'm in this like intense constriction. And her instruction, I do not recommend this to anyone, any doms, any submissives that you ever put yourself in this position. But her rule when we walked into the, the scene was, there's no, I don't do red, yellow, green. So those are some code words typically uh-huh. in the kink, kink zone green is like yes this is all good keep going more more and more uh-huh. yellow is like I'll pause we need to take a break This is getting too intense red is like wait stop take the ropes off do whatever uh-huh. so she was like she, I, she said I don't play that game if you stop the scene if you say red then we're done scenes over you're gone and I was like that totally freaked me out because I'm like that's not how most people play in this realm
0: uh-huh.
1: and, and then she explained she said you so you this is about you trusting me. And if, if, you wanna, if you want me to take you where you want to go, you've got to surrender. So that means if you freak out and you say, stop, I can't take you over the edge to where you've come into this room to, you know, to play and to have me take you. And so here I am, as I described, all f- totally constricted, head to toe, and I can barely breathe, and I go into total panic attack. And I don't even really have a way to speak. I'm sure if I screamed, it was like ah, ah, she would figure out that I was like saying stop. But I just remembered her words. If you call it off, it's off and we're done. And I just got as much breath as I could on my next in breath. And I just totally surrendered. And I was released into what they call subspace. So subspace is kind of like the Valhalla, it's the thing that, Tons of you know kinky people tend to
0: go after it's no this- shit that sounds like a freaking you know <laughs> like a real death experience but go on <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's
1: deep deep release so you're you're getting this incredible endorphin rush uh-huh. and it just overloads the system to the point where you just kind of like it's hard to describe but it's just like total release total surrender and a kind of a almost a oneness experience it
0: it, it was it was a pretty spiritual experience for me. Okay, but with 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 BDSM do you have do you end up having sex with the dom?
1: No, not necessarily. There's all sorts of this is another superpower of the kinkies is you don't have to be touched again to have orgasm. And in this case and and, and it's actually a bit easier in, in well, I don't even know if that's true, but it's a bit easier to for a kinky in a scene to get to ejaculatory orgasm or body you know body based orgasms or other kind of orgasmic experiences but you don't have to ever be touched i mean this can be a complete game of dominance <clears throat> and surrender <clears throat> it can be a psychological game of predicament bondage where you're in this very impossible situation where you're tied up in a certain way and if you move one direction too much you're the the choker or the you know thing on your genitals is going to get a lot tighter so you can't move and then the dom could be playing games with you i haven't done this particular kind of scene work really but um they could be playing games with you of telling you you're going to get a treat if you can get out of this it's of course impossible to get out of and then they make you do certain behaviors and every time you do what what would be a treat well it could be anything it could be um it could be anything. It could be the thing that just turns that kinky on. It could be like if you do this scene, if you if you do this and you get out of this, um, then then I'm gonna strap you down to the table and jerk you off. Like that could be the thing that, that is the the gift or the reward uh-huh. for the sub being really good and behaving. But then if they're naughty, they get punishments. So let's say the sub, the submissive, doesn't like they hate to be tickled. Well, they do something wrong while they're in this crazy predicament thing. And then the the dom's going to come over and say, whatever, you
0: know, bad girl, (laughs) 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 bad girl. I'm going to tickle the crap out of you. Why why do you think powerful men? Because I've always heard. I don't know how true it is. I haven't seen any actual statistics, but there's always that, you know, powerful men, the big CEO, most powerful man in the world. They love to be in situations where they, they they, you know, they their power is removed. Submissive. Yeah. Yes. There is a lot of
1: truth to it, um, and why, I again, why do you think I, that is, though? because they are so, they live a life where they have to control everything. Everything is up to them. Every decision, every time, everything is like they got to be in control. They have to put on. They feel like they've got to put on this mask of, uh, of leadership, and for for them to come in and tell, be told, like just to give it all up and let somebody else completely control the next 60 minutes, 90 Mm. minutes, two hours of their life is the best thing that could ever happen to them because they're, they're being taken care of in a way. And, and this is something that if you have no familiarity with the kink realm is a misconception of the people who play in this realm consciously, Uh the, it is a, it is, it is one of the most conscientious ways of practicing sexuality between two or more human beings because it's all conscious. You're creating containers, you're having consent conversations. The Dom who's, set, who's holding the container for any scene with their submissive is responsible for the welfare of their submissive. Like, and in some ways, the submiss- submissive is often the one who's actually controlling the scene mm-hmm. because they've set the parameters. They've said what's a yes and what's a no, and it's up to the Dom to hold that space honor their boundaries, protect them, make sure they're safe. And then after a scene is over, there's something called aftercare. So if if the scene gets really intense, there's a lot of emotional release. It goes really, really deep. The submissive and even sometimes the dom will need aftercare. You need time to downregulate, to take all of that intense excitement to come back to a co-regulated, nurturing, connected, grounded space. And in that way, I wouldn't recommend people use kink like go into kink to heal things but kink can be extremely healing for people who have suffered incredible sexual trauma for people who have very little agency about their sexuality because of all of these conscientious conscious elements of how you create a scene craft a scene play together it, it creates agency it creates a new ownership of uh, somebody' you know being like this is my body. Mm-hmm. This is what it wants. This is how it will be treated and boundaries
0: will be respected. Okay, this is a question of the lifetime because every guy and every girl listening to this is thinking the same thing. Are we really built to be monogamous? Well,
1: <clears throat> I, I, monogamy is monogamy, polyamory, <laughs> swinger, <laughs> They are, every single one of
0: them are completely valid choices. Uh Uh-huh. And. But what what do you think, just based on talking to all these people all these years, and I know you could see a couple together and they've never cheated on each other, but you could see that, hey, they probably wish they could be with someone else, you know? Some of it has
1: to do with our neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and that's basically how, how we're wired. Are you like wired as a dopamine? Are you wired as a GABA? And the, like a GABA-based personality is somebody who's going to want more um, solidity and, and they're not likely to want to go out finding new partners. They feel really good with the comfort of knowing what's going to happen and having a very peaceful life. Somebody who's dopamine-driven, they're looking for that dopamine hit. Uh-huh. They want adventure, whether it's in their they and they can be monogamous, but they're going to want that primary relationship, that that one-on-one relationship, to really be fulfilling. Because mm-hmm. if it if they're flatlined there and it goes on too long, that they're going to start searching. You know, whether it's jumping out of airplanes with a parachute or you know rock uh-huh. climbing or finding another lover because they're just not being met
0: by the, the person they're with. Okay, so so well, your, your partner right now is—I mean, she's a sex coach as well—and yeah. you guys, you guys, are, you guys aren't married, but you date.
1: We're not married. We've been together thirteen years, and our son is eleven; just turned eleven years old. Okay, are you are you allowed
0: to sleep with other people, and is she allowed to sleep with other people?
1: Allowed is a funny word, but yes, we we have an open relationship. We have um, our version of it. We would classify
0: as polyamory. Okay, so I'm at a bar, your wife's at the bar, we sit down, we talk. I mean, and you know what what's the next step here? Does she have to call you for permission or
1: mm, everybody's rules are different. So this is you know one of the challenging complexities of polyamory is everybody's got a different <laughs> idea of what it means, how to do how to do it, how to do it well. Uh-huh. I would not uh I would say a word of warning to people who may be in a monogamous relationship and they're looking to get into polyamory or open relationship. The complexity goes up by a factor of a thousand (laughs) really in terms. Yeah. (laughs) You're the moment you bring somebody else into your Uh partnership, you're dealing Uh with completely different bonding strategies. Like that person comes in, they have a way that they need to be loved and taken care of and Uh seen and heard. So you have a, with you add a third person to your mix, uh-huh. that's that's a crazy triangle. You add another
0: person, now you've got even more complexity. Okay, okay, but but would my question specifically: this is I'm hanging out with your partner yes. at a bar. <laughs> this is a yes. one this is a one night thing, you know. Yeah. So this is this is for
1: for us. It would be um, it would it would likely be unlikely that, sh- that she would end up doing anything to the level of intercourse with you uh, and vice versa if it was me at that bar because we don't know about your sexual safety practices. Okay. We don't know if okay, you've no, been
0: tested. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me hit you with another one, then. There okay. are no diseases in this world, okay? No. <laughs> Nothing. Coronavirus? What is that? It doesn't it's exist. History. All right. Okay. <laughs> so it's, the, the disease is not an issue. This just mm-hmm. strictly like your feelings on this. How, how would that play out?
1: So as long as she she as as long as she sticks to our rules of engagement, then it's all good and vice versa. If I'm at that bar and I meet somebody, and there's no disease in the world, you don't have to worry about that at all, uh-huh. then as long as we stick, and we, we try and keep our rules very simple. So if she were interested in you and you're at the bar and you're hanging out and you hit it off and you want to have a one-night stand, that's awesome if you end up dating and you go together for you know 3 dates it's at that point that i want to meet you because that starts to become more of a serious situation i want to know who you are i want to know how you behave what your bonding style is i want you to know that i'm a real person uh-huh. and that my connection with jaya is the primary bond and that you that that any of your energy that comes in to try and mess with that Uh is not going to go over. That's like a, that's expulsion from, you know, that's a conversation first and then an expulsion from the
0: relationship if it can't be mended. Okay. So with you and, with you and your partner, most of the extracurricular activity that you guys have, Mm -hmm. is it with males or is it with females? Oh, it's a mix. I mean,
1: yeah. uh, It's mostly hetero in terms of our relationships with Uh the, other sexes, but, um, I have partners. She has partners. Um, sometimes there's me, mu- there's, uh, you know, mutual slash party play where we're hanging out together, but it's different than, uh, well, I define it as different than open relationship where, you know, a lot of people have a don't ask, don't tell uh-huh. I can sleep with anybody. And I don't, you know, I don't want to, if you sleep with somebody, I don't want to hear about it, but it's fine. our, Version and polyamory typically is m- a much more integrated version. So it's like who who are you? Who's this person? What do you? It's like it's it's deep learning about. <laughs> it's, it's
0: a computer term, but go on. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's an AI to, term. Go on.
1: Yeah, it's really really deep learning about who. So the reason I came to polyamory, the reason I chose it about thirteen years ago, is because. I found myself trying to suppress aspects of my attraction, my turn on Uh what I'm into to please the partner that I was with. And I just, after having a six year marriage where I was doing that and then a couple of monogamous relationships after the marriage where I noticed I was doing that again, I was like, this is just not, this is not working for me. I need to be in a relationship where somebody, it wasn't necessarily about having a bunch of partners. It was just, being with somebody who could really see me for who I am and even the parts of me that maybe triggered them, like things that I'm turned on by that they're not, but they could see me, they could make space for that in our relationship and vice versa. Like you're into this thing or that type of person and to know you, to love you fully, I've got to know everything about you. And it doesn't mean I have to agree, but if you really want something, then how do we figure out how you can have it? with and still keep our relationship totally connected, right? So, then it gets then you get into creativity and how to make this work. And honestly, I don't really feel like giant I've been in and out of a lot of phases with polyamory and open relationship. I don't really feel until about a year and a half ago that we finally got to a place of like ah, uh, now now we really know how to navigate this together without Lots of big ups and downs and stress and you know freakouts and little moments of breaking of trust and all that kind of stuff. It
0: was, okay. it, it was a long path, so, so there's what, a lot of navigation so what okay, so I mean I have you know I have my significant other now <clears throat> monogamous relationship, but I'm just thinking, if I wanted to look around. I would want to look around. I wouldn't necessarily want her to look around. So what, what am I just greedy? What, what <laughs> just, she agreed. You use the word. Uh, <laughs> I, it's so there
1: are relationships where one partner gets to play and the other doesn't. Uh-huh. But if that's a, if that's a relationship where one person is um, uh, what's the word, this isn't the word, but like giving over uh-huh. just so their partner can get their yaya's off. And, Beneath that resentment and upset and jealousy and a lack of care is the status quo. That is not a recipe for longevity, for deeper connection, for loving intimacy. So uh, that that that's a risky road. So I think if you're gonna. Uh, decide to go gallivanting off, you're going to want to be willing, you, you should be willing to share the riches uh-huh. and deal with whatever that brings up for you. If it's important enough for you to go off and find other partners, then realizing that the desire may be the same for your lover. And and it feels equal to me. It feels like a, a way of honoring them to be like, okay, you're letting me, you're, you're allowing this in our relationship. I've got to figure out a way to allow it. In re-
0: reciprocation. Okay, I'd say something about swingers though. I, I mean, i I've seen it on TV. Okay, and it's always like this older hippie. It's not. It's not like like when when people think swinging, you're thinking like, oh, this you know this like hot young couple. It doesn't appear like at least the ones on TV. They always this old, the swing- older people. I mean, yeah, what, no. what what is this community? Uh, it's it's vast I
1: mean there's so much swinging going on that like <laughs> once you tap into the communities it's all over the place have like, you ever yeah. been to,
0: have you ever been to swinger club or oh yeah party?
1: well yeah. parties clubs i don't, haven't been to a swingers club been to kinky clubs um not really a swingers club but to parties so uh, it's no the i mean I've been to ones where the there's a range there's fifty year old sixty year old folks and there's twenty something year olds oh, okay so, okay it's all over the place, and then okay. and and that's the stereotype so when i before I learned about polyamory, the only concept I had of um, this kind of behavior was swinger, like uh-huh. the stereotype of the swinger of the old couples in the hot tub, right okay like ah that and I, and and the version, the stereotype that was painted in my head well, didn't really attract me um, but then that's where polyamory became a much more. Uh, much more my vibe because it is about connection. The uh-huh. idea behind polyamory is that our love is limitless. So I, I can love, I can love more than one person fully and completely. And it's really things like jealousy or habits of expectation in relationship that get in our way of being able to
0: express that in a healthy way with more than one person. A man sleeps with a thousand women. Okay, he's a astust- Yes. Yeah, a woman sleeps with a thousand men. She gets called a slut. Is that right. fair?
1: <clears throat> so, um, the the I don't think it's fair at all, this thing of uh, women being shamed for being sexual mm-hmm. or having multiple partners. It's a carryover from... Uh, well, ten thousand years really two two to three thousand years of programming from religious institutions and trying to control our this is, this is me getting on my high political horse of religious institutions and governments trying to control our sexuality so uh you know in pagan society the women 's sexuality was celebrated you know it 's like the, they were the they are the ones who give birth to us all uh-huh. the blood of the month like the moon cycle that was celebrated these are this was Uh, a natural part of Mm -hmm. who we are. And I bought into the mythology, the Victorian mythology that women are not sexual beings. I believed it all the way up into my twenties and that completely got blown out of the water. You know, as I, as I started to open up to my own um, desires Mm -hmm. and, and really accept my, my turn ons, then I was, uh, and I started to have some partners where, now I accepted mine. I was opening up their sexuality. And it was uh, it was like unquenchable thirst for okay. women who get turned on.
0: Okay. Here's the thing. So I can just play devil's advocate. Hmm. I, I, mean, I agree with you because, you know, what's good for man, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. <laughs> but some guys watching this, they're you not know, going to say this publicly right now because you have to be careful what you say. But they're going to go, wait a minute now. Okay. For a guy to sleep with a thousand women, to do it, that requires a lot of skill because you need to go up, introduce yourself, talk, you know, be charming. To get to get a thousand women in bed requires a certain degree of skill. To get a thousand men in bed, all you need to do is say yes. Because any woman at a bar, I can tell you I used to be a bartender. <clears throat> okay, I don't care how old you are. I closer you get the last call, the harder you get, because these dudes trying to leave with someone. So <laughs> All you got to do is say yes and it's on is that is that fair to make that comparison?
1: I would say generally fair
0: <laughs> yes okay. g- generally so, fair so, so it's not it's so it's 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 different I mean do sleep with who you want to sleeper but I'm just saying. Maybe I'm just saying that you know we have to work harder for love ladies. That's all I'm saying, okay? Yeah, that's right.
1: So I mean just look at look at the natural selection thing in nature. Like watch any of these nature documentaries. Look what most of the male version of that species has to go through just to get late. I mean, they gotta run across an open plain where they're gonna get eaten by crows and crazy ass predators. To, they they gotta have the best frog call in nature to to get the female frog to risk her life to come near them.
0: Or a black widow, she can eat you after sex. Oh yeah, and then look at that. Like
1: then you get it, then then success, yay! Yeah. <laughs> Your you head's did. bitten off.
0: And then you and then you and then you die. And then you're dead. <laughs> so that's that's um so <laughs> laughing. is is sex addiction a real thing? I
1: will be controversial here, and I will say uh, that I don't really I think in rare cases that it would literally qualify as addiction so it's compulsion it's uh, and it can cause major problems, you know people who have and you know but the compulsion to the point where they're interrupting their life, they're screwing up their relationships. They're spending tons of money on pornography or prostitutes or however it's being expressed. It definitely causes problems. Uh But, uh, but um, I think a lot of it is more a guiding of energy. Uh So, and you know, being for some people like the dopamine neurotransmitter type that I was talking about earlier they are going to have a propensity for a uh, much more intense desire for sex. And that could potentially be problematic, but it's just a matter of cultivating that energy and being able to harness it and being able to direct it so that uh, it's not causing this mess in your life. Uh. But I, I'm a little skeptical of putting it in the true addiction
0: category. I, Cause I know, I know some people have porn. Addi- I don't get the porn addiction though. Like, what exactly are you looking at? Because mm. you know, 13 seconds of a video is all most most guys need, and then you go back to your life. You know, like to be on a porn site all the time. I mean, right. wow. It's just, it's just it's just I get I get is I get it as an issue for some people though, because some dudes. I remember one night working at the bar. This dude comes in, and he just takes out his phone and he starts watching porn and just showing it to everybody at the bar mm. like around him. It was mostly guys there, but it still was like. It's kind of weird.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the compulsive use of pornography, again, it's a it's a patterning system. Mm-hmm. So this can be a challenge for sexual blueprint types. This can be a real big challenge for kinky types where you'll get into a rut. Like you'll, you'll get into a pattern that turns into a rut. And then that just digs you right into a grave of like, this is the only way that I get it turned on. This is the only way I get aroused. And it's that one thing like I need to have sex with a yellow raincoat and, and galoshes. <laughs> on, right. Uh-huh. And that's it. And that's not a problem. Like as long as it's not harming your life or doing harm to others. And if you can, if you want a partner and you can find a partner who loves the yellow uh-huh. raincoat and the galoshes every single time. Great. There's no, there's no, like we, we don't believe people are wrong or broken in their sexuality. Um, it's, but it, but it is. So the question is, are you feeling fulfilled? Uh-huh. Are you able to have the kind of partnership and relationship that you want? And is it high functioning? Are you uh, deeply connected? Are you feeling fulfilled? So these are the you know, qualifying questions to, to look at like, how you're behaving in your sexuality
0: to see if it's a you know, quote unquote issue. Uh-huh. Okay. So here's another question for you. Um, are you in Los Angeles? I used to live in Los Angeles. I live okay. uh, in Colorado now. Okay, that's right. You in Colorado? So I'm walking down the street in LA in West Hollywood. Okay, and there I see this gorgeous girl, perfect curves, perfect smile. Here, everything breasts, only to find out. Okay, this is a transgendered female. Oh, what when you transsexual? Go from, yeah, with well, someone someone's transgender. Yeah, yeah. I want you to say trans, transsexual. Could be transgendered. transgendered. Could yeah. be transsexual. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's go transgendered. You still have your your original. Um, Anatomy. Parts. Yeah, anatomy, yep. genitalia. So am I gay if I think that person's hot? Uh, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, no, but I'm just, I, I didn't know. But now that I know, I'm still like, wow, that person's cute. So what am I? <laughs> You're just
1: attracted to another human being. So the, you know, when you, so K- do you know who Kinsey is? Yeah, the, the,
0: the great sex researcher. Yeah, yeah huh yeah.
1: So, you know, they did a bunch of research on this. And basically our sexuality, there's very few people who, you know, go 100% heterosexual or 100% homosexuality. It's about arousal. It's about attraction. It's about hormones. And those signals that you're getting from the oh. trans, transgender person, they're they're the signals that you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. If they look – if you're attracted to a very feminine female and – all of their signals that they're sending are those signals. It, you're still attracted to that same thing. They just may have male genitals in the mix as well. Okay. And,
0: but that, that, that's gonna pose a problem at some point because, <laughs> you
1: know, well, <laughs> you know, then, then it's up to you to just go. If like, if you're truly attracted to the person and you're like, what's your story, who are you? Then it's up to you to see if that's within your comfort zone, uh-huh. but to judge, to judge them or judge yourself uh, it doesn't, it doesn't really honor the human connection. It it just layers on a whole story that is just inherited from cultures, inherited from our beliefs about how this is supposed to go. And for, for people that can bring up a lot of confusion, wait a second, I'm really attracted to you, but you happen to have a, you know, a cock between your legs.
0: Have you, have you ever dated someone who was transgendered? Uh, no. I have okay. not dated anybody. Uh, no. Okay.
1: Nope. <laughs> the reason I'm thinking is, um, I, uh, I have a friend who's transgender and there was some flirtation there, but there was no, no relationship that developed.
0: Oh, okay. You didn't try to close the deal. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just flirted. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, 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 like, like, I feel that like we're at this point in human history or human evolution where, everything's on the table now. Like, it's, oh, yeah. like the world has changed. Like mm-hmm. when you start talking to someone about sex now, you know, before it was just, Hey, Hey, okay. We're doing this now. It's a lot more colors out there. And you have to really be clear about, okay, wh- what are we doing?
1: You know, Yeah. <laughs> Some of my, like my, uh, I have a, tr- um, transgendered n- nephew and, um, not just him, but, uh, so many of the people that i will talk to who are in their late teens 20s even um when they talk they they did um you know what's your how do you identify in my Uh son's school okay so he has somebody who identifies as non-binary in his class and it's just a completely different conversation with a lot of people who are in their late teens and 20s now it doesn't really matter like you're gay you're you're sapiosexual you're non-binary you're you you don't identify as a gender you just love to sleep with who you know you love to have a relationship or sleep with who you like to sleep with and genitals mm-hmm. don't have any sway in the conversation or and they and it doesn't mean that you know like if i'm male gendered and I, or i've got genital, male genitals and i sleep with somebody's got male genitals it doesn't mean necessarily that i identify as gay so yeah, a lot of those boundaries and the the old rules are breaking down.
0: Have you ever been attracted to another man?
1: It's interesting. I there's been like honestly two people who identify as male ever in my life where I was like oh uh, there's a little bit of a an attraction there. Um, so it, I I don't instantly gravitate towards attraction to men, uh-huh. but there there is in eroticism for me about uh, male sect male sexuality genitals. And I think it's, it's kind of like this thing of like, that's what I've got. So I know how to play with my cock. I know <laughs> what turns that. I know what turns me on and it's my personal pleasure object. So why wouldn't I have attraction to my own personal pleasure object?
0: Good. <laughs> Should <laughs> prostitution be legal? Yes. I mean that that's pretty a straightforward conversation. Yeah, I I because I think it's up to you if you could get rid of the pimps, yep, and all the other, you know, all the other vices around it. Pimps, yeah. the drugs, and all that. And if a woman wants to do that, then I I feel that's fine. And consenting I think can, consenting yeah, I think adults,
1: adults, yeah, resi- you know, getting regulation where we know that people are healthy, that they're that you know, so because that's that creates so much problem around prostitution is just the, is um, uh, STDs and STIs. And um, Mm -hmm. so, yes, I definitely think it should be legal um, consenting adults. And, uh, and, and it's go in the studies in places like Portugal and other countries where it is legal, crime goes down. Um, You know, the, the women are safer. The, even the Johns are safer. It's just like across the board it just seems there's no reason
0: to have it be illegal. How do you talk someone into a threesome? (laughs) Hold on, because you need to talk two sets of people in this. How do you go home to the wife or girlfriend and then talk into having a threesome with someone else? Just a blueprint for those of us who don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Who don't know.
1: Um, I would say vulnerability is always a good entrance point in conversation. Just, you know, coming forward and saying, hey, there's something I want to talk to you about. I'm nervous about talking about it. I don't, I'm don't. scared it'll be triggering. Do you have some time to talk about this thing? It's really important to me. So you're just setting up a yes for the conversation. Um, also ideal, I think, if you're choosing a, a moment in time when things are good in your relationship, you feel really solid together. Um, and, and also lowering the importance. So if I'm coming to my partner and I'm like with got this raging intention of I've got to make this happen and mm-hmm. it's at all costs, that's likely going to feel pretty threatening to my lover, my, my wife, my partner. Uh-huh. Um, but if there's a very lowered importance, it's just, and of course, hopefully this is authentic, but it's like, Hey, I've been really interested in the possibility of a threesome. Do you ever think about that? Uh, uh-huh. So that you're putting it into a conversation, right? To actually hear their response, give them some time to process and think about that. And it may be an instant clutch like, oh, nope, that's off the table. What do you mean? You don't love me. There could be any number of things that arise out of making this admission. Being really solid and connected with your partner, lover, wife, husband, and just saying look this is I, I am with you this is not something that i am going to go run off and do uh-huh. but it's been something i've been thinking about and interested in and i hear that you're upset about that can you tell me more about that uh-huh. can you tell me like it, like if it's especially if and, and maybe now is not the time but i would like to just talk about this not to convince you to do it but i i want you to know what the desire is coming from in me and I really want to hear more about why it's triggering because I honor you. I honor, I honor our relationship and you know, I'm committed to being here with you uh-huh. because the moment that it becomes the third party threat or the thing of like, Hey, I'm going to go do this thing. And if that other part partner has, is not stable with it, not okay with it. Um, it's just an opportunity for more information, a lot of deep learning like I was talking about. So what's triggering about that for you? Does it does anything about it turn you on at all? Mm-hmm. And it, if it's a no, it's a no. And sometimes it's in the lowering importance allows a lot of breathing room, right? So that's a big shift if you've been in a completely monogamous relationship and now all of a sudden you're saying you want to bring in a third party. That's a big ask. So it's more about a long conversation, and I won't even say game because game um, takes out the actual importance to that conversation. It that's a that's a big thing you're you're bringing up in a in a monogamous relationship. So it's not a game, but it's a long conversation. If it's important to you, I wouldn't recommend that you just give it up wholeheartedly just because your partner freaks out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I would I would recommend that you give it. If, you, if you've committed to your partner and you're committed to that partnership lasting, I'd say you come into that conversation with a willingness to totally give it up for the rest of your life. Like never have never act on it, mm-hmm. but still keep the conversation alive so you can find a way to get your needs met or your desires met within the context that feels safe and honoring and loving to your partner. Cause that's a, that's a co-created agreement. And you both got to be on board. We have a mentor, Kelly Bryson, who wrote a book called Don't Be Nice, Be, Re- uh, be Real. And he has a phrase that I just love, which is res- um, uh, um, compromise is resentment 50-50. Mm-hmm. So if you're compromising your relationship, then there's going to be resentment. There's going to be stuff that yeah. gathers up and has no place to express. But what's required instead of compromise is this place of getting into the difficult, intimate, vulnerable places of your relationship to find out what each other's needs are. And then once you get to the root need, well, what is it about being with another partner that you that you really need or really turns you on or you want that so badly? And if I keep plumbing the depths of what that means to me, maybe let's just say, for example, I come up with the thing of like, um, I love you deeply. I'm totally attracted to you. And I'm I found out that I'm a shapeshifter because I took this quiz and I realized in being a shapeshifter, I love variety. So then you can get creative, like, well, how can we have variety? Could we have variety together? Could we do something like hire a pro-dom? So it's a totally professional situation. And we bring that person in and they show us how to bring some form of kinky play into our relationship, kind of like having a third person. Or could we do something where we start doing role play and you, we go out one night and you find some person you think is totally hot and attractive. And when we get back to our place, I take on their persona. I take on their energies. I, I draw their energy in and I become that person. So you start to play with different ways of satisfying those needs where you may never actually go outside of your relationship to do it.
0: Cool. 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 Okay a so weird question between two guys. Does- you're like this.
1: You're like the scenario, dude. We could
0: <laughs> we could go on this for forever. Okay, how about this? How about the <laughs> no no scenarios? Either, just does size matter? Weird question between two guys, but what do you think? Because you talk to a lot of women and men, I guess about yeah. about this. Does size really matter?
1: Size typically matters more to the guy who's got the cock than it does to the partner. Um, you think because size- Oh yeah. It's mostly about how that's used. I think actually, um, the, what I've heard from many vulva, vulva carrying members of our society is that cocks that are really big are intimidating, frightening. They're scared. Like it's just too much. And, uh, that's, that's difficult based on the size of their vulva and what they can receive. Um, and it could be a challenge for somebody who's got a really small cock to be able to – like a really small cock to be able to make it function and you know, mm-hmm. hit all the right spots inside the vagina. But still, there's all sorts of ways that, that it's about how you use what you've got more than having some kind of large size, medium size, the perfect size. It's not, it's not important. And I wouldn't I wouldn't stress about it. I would just stress about not even stress. I would just dive into how do you become an excellent lover no
0: matter what you got? Very good. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a cool conversation because because I mean, the the poly the polyamory. You know, really like jump back in the forefront right now because we we everybody's watching um tiger king on netflix uh-huh. and and the, the characters in this have multiple wives and husbands is is uh-huh. it's, it's crazy what's no the fact, show uh it's called uh tiger king i oh that's uh-uh. what okay i <laughs> okay. heard about it i'm like what is that show <laughs> yeah so so when, when when you when you're done you got to go watch that series so you can diagnose and figure out what the hell all these people are. Okay, okay. <laughs> their world is fucking best, wild.
1: That's right? crazy world, crazy
0: town. Yeah. So, so let's so let's wrap up with you telling us about um, where to find this course so you could figure out like what you are.
1: Yeah. So we talked about a little bit about the erotic blueprints. We've got that quiz that you can go. That's where I would have really recommended people go because that's just a five ten minute, very fun, interesting thing where we kick back some results. You get a little education from us about your blueprint type. Um, and it's just a great entrance point. And the and website then, is
0: the website what, is erotic
1: website. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- and then i think we got a forward slash sky john for <laughs> your your particular audience so okay. eroticbreakthrough.com um just how just how it sounds spelled out .com and forward slash sky john
0: don't even worry about that part just eroticbreakthrough Okay eroticbreakthrough.com breakthrough. yeah cool. eroticbreakthrough.com okay
1: yeah cool and um, so that's the quiz that's you'll see my partner jaya she's much better looking than i am um, and she'll introduce you, and say, it's take about five or ten minutes. And then um, when you want to go deeper, we have the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough Course, and that's diving deep into all of the turn ons, turn offs, the shadow aspects, the positive superpowers of the each blueprint type. So you're getting a full fledged vocabulary. We've got um, uh, we've got a bunch of th- um, pieces in there called feeding the blueprints, where uh-huh. we show you where we have demo models there's it's all clo- it's not nudity there everybody's clothed but it definitely gets hot um, you know solo people doing practices for all the blueprint types and then partner engagement for all of the blueprint types okay. so you know watch and learn that's one of the best ways to start to pick up new skills and to understand what distinguishes uh-huh. um, how each each blueprint gets turned on uh-huh. and we also dive deep into learning how to speak Feed the blueprints, speak the blueprints, because it's a whole language, like the words that I use to speak uh-huh. to you about, you know, what turns me on with the words I use may actually shut you down. So learning to honor your partner by choosing the words that light them up. And it's not just words, it's like body congruency it does what I'm saying if I'm trying to be a dominant in a scene. Am I congruent in my, my vocal tone, my body, my, the way I'm in the space with you? Am I speaking that in the mm-hmm. larger sense of the word? And then we get into healing the blueprints, which is um, – there's a great book by Emily Nagoski where she took – it's called Come As You Are, and she took a bunch of research that was done about people increasing pleasure in their life. And what the researchers found was it's not so much about adding fuel to the fire, like adding more turn on – uh, what really increases people's access to pleasure is taking the brakes off the pleasure, taking the shadows, the things that block us from being able to express ourselves erotically. Mm-hmm. When you start to dismantle the shadows that, that keep us from that pleasure, then you start to be able to open up whole new abilities, to stay in your body with extreme orgasmic sensation, connect with another lover without shame, uh, and really be vulnerable and present for pleasure. So we have a whole thing called healing the blueprints, which dives deep into that. And then the super fun part is you get to the end of the course is called expanding the blueprints. And that's really, uh, you know, me uh, as a kinky and with a very low sexual, and I had very little energetic at the beginning of my relationship with my partner, as I have expanded into those parts of myself, my erotic range has gone through the roof. And, and it's not just me doing it for her. If I'm, diving into energetic sex or going right for sexual. Now I have an actual experience of my own turn on. And that's, that's when you know you've really expanded into another blueprint is when it's not, you're not doing it for someone else, but you're like, Oh, now I get it. Now I get why, you know, somebody wants to be tied down to a table and have, you know, scratchy nails over their surface and
0: their ass spanked. Like, Whoa, that, that was a total turn on. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me, let me, let me end with this. Could you date a porn star or a stripper? Cause they, they, they. I mean, they're, they're different. Sorry to merge you all two together. I know you're different. I'm just saying.
1: I have dated
0: s- multiple strippers. So um, stripper? Oh, you okay, all right, okay. <laughs> you could size up a guy a lot by who he's dated. Okay, well, and yeah, dude was into multiple strippers. Well, so <laughs> they're the, the the.
1: Let me say this: the the strippers that I've dated typically, not always, but a lot of them. That's where they were in their. Uh, young twenties. Oh, That's they what were, they did. Oh, they were nursing
0: school. These were nurses to
1: pay for <laughs> to pay for education. <laughs> to like, they were like this. They that was a safe environment. It was fun. They made a lot of money. They're not making twelve dollars an hour at the McDonalds or whatever uh, you know where they've got to scrap it by. They're walking home with two thousand dollars in cash, uh, you know, five nights a week. So they're able to pay for school. Many of the people that i know in that realm are doing it because it's uh-huh. funding graduate school or it's funding so like i oh one person i knew in la she was uh opening up a dialysis clinic because her one of her relatives had had issues and she wanted to serve that population so she was making money to be able to make that happen did it happen
0: yeah she had a diet she has a dialysis clinic damn okay so all right you know, but, see, but see that already classy was a special kind of guy because let me tell you right now, like when it comes to dating strippers, like not every guy can handle that. That's 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 an advanced lesson. Okay. It's true. <laughs> it's an introduction to polyamory. Strippers, strippers into some wild shit and they always come, you know, I don't really want to be doing this. You know, I'm only doing it because, you know, I'm not like these other girls.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are exceptions to the rule. It, it, I'm just it, saying.
1: It takes all kinds. So uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, you can't dress, you can't judge a stripper by her cover <laughs> There could okay. be a lot, could be a lot going on okay. And then uh, porn stars, porn star, I, haven't yes. dated, I haven't dated a porn star Could you? Though? Be- because we do erotica, uh, we've done a bunch of sex education films that are explicit uh, I, I've hung out with plenty of porn folks Hold on,
0: So you and, your, you and your partner have sex education videos?
1: Oh yeah, we don't have them on the market right now, but we have a oh. beautiful series called Red Hot Touch. Um, which and is, you guys
0: are actually having sex in this video?
1: No, it's not a. It's not oh. us. Jaya oh. is a model in that. Um, oh, okay. uh, one of our models dropped out at the last minute, so she was just going to be narrating and doing the education, but it was like so she jumped in and she is in that video. Um, she is. We did. We did do a video on perineal massage for pregnancy, so uh, we're in that video. Jaya's. What's it Just called? A pow-
0: ma- power natal massage. Per-
1: perineal, so the pa- perineum, massaging okay. the perineum. Okay,
0: perineal massage.
1: So that okay. you have easier birth. So that's an educational video on how to do that. Um, and then we've got uh, new angle on sex, which is about sex positions. She's got a whole oral sex series. She's not in that. Again, she's doing narration. But we, you know, though we have porn stars doing that because most of the sort of everyday people.
0: That's right. You still, uh, you have to. I'm so you have to encounter a lot of porn stars then.
1: Yeah, so not I'm, a lot. Okay. I met a lot of. I, I know a lot of sex workers. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people in the porn realm. Um, and again, like we talked about legalizing prostitution, I just want to take the the shame cap off of this whole conversation. If somebody's really very sexual, they're into sex. As long as it's a healthy expression of it, they're not, um, you know, crossing other people's boundaries. They're not ruining their life to have it. Let's take the shame cap off of this and have an honest conversation. Let's make it like I'm talking about a cup of coffee. You know, I'm into kinky sex. I like my coffee black. Mm-hmm. It's just as simple as that. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. <laughs> okay, okay. I love my sex like I love my coffee. King. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Guys, listen, listen. This, 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 is, this is Ian Ferguson, and it's called um, Haya, right? The, your, your, Jaya. Your, Jaya. 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 Yeah. J-A-I-Y-A. Jaya. Right, right. For Jaya. And it's been a lot of fun, very educational talking to you, man. Okay, and so please go to their website and find out exactly how freaky you are. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, actually <laughs> what's funny is it's kind of like how normal we are because uh-huh. that's one of the things that I think is so awesome about us, our community. Uh-huh. It's 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 normalizing all of this and, you know, Jaya's like the girl next door. Mm -hmm. Our sex life, we do have other partners, but it's not crazy off the hook. It's awesome. It fits us very, very well. Mm -hmm. But that's like the thing. It's like having a place where a community where this is safe, where the conversation is consensual, boundaries are honored. That's the thing that we're working to create, not just within our little circle, but for everybody. Because we all deserve pleasure. It's our birthright. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway,
0: adios, mi gente nos vemos. Go check them out. (laughs)